Well, Northside family, I just want to celebrate real quick that story of Trent. What an unbelievable story of God meeting him right where he is in jail and leading him through his church, through you and I, to be able to support him and pour into him and to celebrate that life change. And I know we're not good at social distancing. I love it, kind of that awkward handshake at the end of the baptism. It's like, forget it, bring it in here, man. And that is the way the church is called to be. We are people who come alongside one another. That's why our whole mission statement here is that God has called us to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, man, I am missing the daylights out of you. Uh, sitting here singing these songs together. I can't wait to sing them in person. Uh, two reasons why. One, it just sounds incredible to hear all of us sing together. And two, the other reason why I can't wait to sing again with you is because I can hear myself sing right now and it is not good. I need you. I sound so much better when you guys are drowning me out and uh, I can't wait to gather again together. Matter of fact, I want to share with you uh, just kind of how we are planning to gather back together on this campus and let you know uh, how we're thinking through that. And uh, I know some of you want a date. Let me tell you about how we're planning about uh, us rejoining on our campus. And there's three things that are really our guiding principles right now about how we are gonna gather again on this campus. The number one thing I want you guys to remember is this, and hopefully you got maybe a journal or notepad, something. We want you to be taking notes of what God is speaking in your, into your heart, but also for you guys to hang on to this. Uh, the first thing is this, we need to remember uh, that the church Church of Jesus is a body, not a building. We said this in our Setting the Table series, even before this pandemic happened, we reminded ourselves, wait a second, the church isn't just about a building, it's about the body of Christ. Matter of fact, we saw that story with Trent. I wanna tell you what God has been doing over the last eight weeks. We have seen over 200 people now become followers of Jesus through meeting online. Only God can do that. See, this is what we gotta remember. Jesus' church has never closed in the last 2,000 years. Oh yeah, we might not be able to gather on this campus, but the church has never closed. No matter what persecution, no matter what pandemic, the spirit of God, the work of Christ never stops. And this is what it means to be the church. And this is what our guiding principle is as well. Not only are we the body, not a building, we are called to serve and sacrifice for our region. Matter of fact, we've been doing this over the past couple of weeks. One, we've been providing food to local hospitals and celebrating workers. We've been making masks as a church family. We've made over 3,000 masks now as a church family. And we even did COVID-19 testing in our parking lot a couple of weekends ago. We're saying we are here to serve and to sacrifice. That is what the church is for. And so let me let you know how we'll kind of know when we're ready to come back together is this. When our weekend gathering is a great experience for everyone. See, this is what it is to be the church. We don't want, especially with the size of our room and the size of our church family, it can be really difficult. Matter of fact, right now, all of the sanctions, I mean, we would need like four hours in between every church service to sanitize all the bathrooms and all the children's spaces and everything else going on. Everybody's like, well, let's just bring all the kids into the worship service. Y'all, I can't even make it through one of the services online at home with my kids. And I'm the pastor. We couldn't, this would be total chaos if we tried to throw everybody in one room. And so this is what we're saying. When it is a great experience for everybody, we are gonna resume our gatherings again together. But can I ask you to do a couple things right now, family? 
Uh, one is this, would you continue to make the word of God and joining online a priority in your life? I understand some of us are starting to travel already and weekends might not, you might not be able to catch a service. Man, stick with this, stay online, continue to make this a priority. And not only that, Stay within community, stay within your life group, begin to be, if you're not in a group, join a group. Or if you have some friends, maybe you're not in an official group, man, make discussing the word of God a priority in your life. Matter of fact, uh, my life group, we, we haven't come back to meeting in homes yet. Uh, and matter of fact, Zoom, a bunch of us are on Zoom all the time. Zoom, it's been, it's been kind of hard. So the guys, we have actually been meeting on a back porch. And uh, this week we had some stuff come up, so we had to reschedule for next week, but we've been meeting we're discussing a book together. That way it's safe. We're doing social distancing, but we're going, man, we got to get together. We got to continue to encourage one another. This is what I love. Every night of the week, you'll drive by our church parking lot and you will see all sorts of cars pulled up. You go, are they tailgating out there? Like, that's right. Life groups are going on. And I want to invite you. You don't have to sign up. If you want to talk to your life group and just show up on our church parking lot, you know, bring lawn chairs, practice social distancing, hang out. If you want to bring a grill, that's on you. But we better taste the food just to make sure it's good. Uh, but we want to invite you, man. Make community a priority. And then here's the thing. Here's the last thing. Keep paying attention to how Jesus wants to work through you in this time. Too many times we're waiting for things to get back to normal and Jesus says, no, I stepped in to a world that was broken and hurting and brought my healing grace and mercy. And he is wanting to do the same thing through you and I right now. Do not miss Christ in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. He is working in and through us, church. And that is just our plan of how, when we'll know when we're gonna gather back together, but do not, do not forsake this joining with one another, pursuing Christ and being the hands and feet of Jesus. As a matter of fact, that's what our, our passage is talking about today. It's talking about the five marks of maturity. Paul is in prison, writing back to the church of Philippi, and he spends a little bit of time. And what we're gonna find today is he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grow in maturity because this is what we need to understand in our series of light and the darkness. A lot of times we think this, that the light just exposes the darkness in our life. And yes, light exposes darkness, but light grows us out of the darkness. See, this is why we need the light of Christ. When it comes in, yes, it convicts us of what's wrong and sinful and dark in our life, but the light of Christ grows us and it moves us out from our darkness. And this is what I want to ask for you, you know, just, just to get our minds going in this direction, just real quick, think for a moment, what does it mean to be a mature Christian? Just, just begin, maybe there's some words, there's some phrases, maybe there's some faces and some people that come to your mind. But what is it to be a mature Christian? Some of us, a lot of times, would immediately go, well, you, you go to church. That's good, it's can't right now, but that's good. Some of you immediately said, reading your Bible, that's good as well. Man, the word of God, it was written by the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need it. And it's still speaking today. The only thing is for the first couple of years of the New Testament, they, uh, New Testament time period, they didn't have the New Testament. But reading the word of God is good. It's holy. See, here's what happens a lot of times. We'll begin to think maturity is just about the individual. But can I be honest with you for a second? You know, here's what I've found out. You can be very smart. You can even have three PhDs, but have zero emotional intelligence and nobody want to hire you. 
You can be incredibly athletic, but a terrible teammate. You can be the boss right now, but not a real leader. You can be a parent, but that doesn't mean you're raising your child. You can even go to church, but not be a Christian. See, what Paul is going to get at today and what we need to get at today is this. We need a clear picture of what maturity looks like as a Christian, what God is wanting to do. And Jesus says this, because a lot of times we think maturity is just individual based. But when Jesus was pressed about what is the greatest commandment in all of the Old Testament, 613 laws, this is what he says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to be mature in love with God is it. But then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus wouldn't let maturity stick to just your individual achievement. He said, it's how you love your neighbor. It's even how you love yourself. And is it, will you and I be loved by God? We're in the book of Philippians. And what's amazing is this, Paul has spent these first two chapters talking all about the light of Christ, all about what God has come to do through him and what he's doing in us. And he talks about the fullness. And what's great is this, next weekend, we're gonna turn on a dime because Paul as a great preacher says the word finally in chapter three. And then he goes on like a great preacher says, and now for my final point. And then he talks for two more chapters. So next weekend, we're going to begin a new series in Philippians called deal with it. And we're going to have to deal with the conflict because Paul deals with it. But right before that, he lays out what maturity looks like as a Christian. If you have your Bible open to the book of Philippians, if you open right in the middle, keep going to the right. It's one of the epistles that Paul wrote And he begins to describe for us today what maturity looks like. So if you've ever wondered, what does it mean to be a mature Christian today? We're going to find out and we're going to find how you and I can become mature. Listen what he writes here. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippians. And he says this in verse 19. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Timothy was kind of like his right hand man, like an associate pastor. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes such a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, living out the ways of Jesus. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Because he's in prison. He's going, I don't know what's going on. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon to you. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. The church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus to help take care of Paul. And now Paul's going, I'm going to send him back so you can know what's, uh, what's going on. He's probably taking this letter back to him. And listen to what he says. For Epaphroditus, he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. 
and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. You know what Paul is saying here about maturity? You know, a lot of us, we want to grow maturity. We want to become more mature. I know I, I want to become, I turned 38, man. I'm like, whoo, man, I'm 38. But boy, I got a long way to go. I, I can give you a list of the 10 things I need to improve in. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at in this whole storytelling about Timothy and Epaphroditus, you see Paul line out what maturity is. But can I define for you just in one sentence what maturity is? Maturity is always mutual, not individual. See, that's why a lot of times we actually never become mature because you think maturity and I think maturity is just about me. And did you see this back and forth play here? He's encouraging Timothy, but Timothy is becoming mature because of how he's interacting for the church in Philippi. This is what we miss about the ways of Jesus in our life. We think we can come become mature Christians by ourselves. Matter of fact, I've heard people say this phrase before. You know, I'll talk to them about their faith. They go, well, I'm a Christian, but my faith is private. And in those moments, I just kind of want to say, well, tell me about your faith, because that's not the faith we read about in the Bible. Now, let me say, I'm not asking us to go around bashing people in the head who aren't a Christian. But if you studied the ways of Jesus, his faith was never private. Matter of fact, the maturity of Jesus was how he always integrated and acted with other folks. So the idea that you and I can actually become mature Christians by ourselves is actually unbiblical. So this is what we need to get our minds around today. Maturity only happens through mutual relationships. It's never through an individual thing. And I want to line out five things here for us today that Paul talks about for us to grow in the ways of maturity. The first one is this. You'll want to write this down. You know what the first thing is that he talks about or what a mature Christian looks like? It's that we're caring. See, sometimes we over-spiritualize things, right? We go, oh, maturity must be over here as a Christian. No, no, no. The first thing that it looks like in this passage is this, that Timothy is a caring person. Listen to what it says in verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. He's just a caring individual. We say this today, man, I want authentic. I want raw. I want someone who's real. Real maturity looks like you and I actually really caring about someone else. That's what Timothy does. It takes a genuine interest in someone else. And then he goes on to say this, for everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. See, maturity is you and I caring for one another. It's actually starting where one another is at. With Trent, we saw him get baptized. You know what we didn't tell Trent? Hey, once you get out of jail and once you clean your act up and once you really start getting your you know, erratic behavior under control, then we'd love to have you. Saturday at 5, Sunday 8.15, 9.45, 11.30, or online because we don't know when we're coming back. You know what we did? We took a genuine interest in Trent. We really cared about Trent. Matter of fact, this last week, uh, my minivan uh, is 13 years old and it's starting to get to that point where like the left rear window doesn't roll up or down and some other stuff's going on with it and the miles are getting high. And so I've been in the market looking for a new minivan, actually a used, not a brand new, but a used minivan. And, and uh, I've been looking around all over the internet and, and I found this one out in Kentucky and it's about 
40 minutes away. And so I drove out there to see the minivan and, and I, it just kind of it, it wobbled a little bit when I drove. And I'm like, man, that's not the right one. So I left. Well, the next morning they texted me and they said, hey, we've got a brand new minivan. I mean, it's a used, it's not brand new, but a new minivan came in and here's the price if you'd want to come see it. And, and I'm based on the year and the mileage and the price. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a great price. I need to drive back out there. So I loaded up my family. We drove back out there, took it for a test drive. And Ruthie and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, I think this is it, right? I think that, you know, because man, when you buy a minivan, you give away your heart, right? You already turned in your man card. Now you got to put away your heart into this whole thing. And, uh, and I walked back in from the test drive and the salesperson said, are you ready to talk numbers? And I said, I'm ready. And I knew the price that they had texted me in the morning. Let's see if, what they'll give me on my trade-in. Let's see where we're at. And we sat down and they gave me all the numbers, except the only thing is when they gave me all the numbers and I sat down with it, it was $4,000 more than what they told me. And I went, I know, I know there's taxes and I know there's a dock fee and that's how dealerships work. That's to be expected. And I went down through the list real quick of all the line items and what they were charging me. And one of the line items said this, accessories, and it was almost $4,000. And I said, uh, what's this accessory? They said, well, hey, we put in new mats and we rotated the tires and we did this and this, and that's how much it cost. Anybody else with me right now? You're already starting to like get that twinge. You're like, mm, mm. And I said, uh, well, that's on you guys. That's not on me. And I opened my phone and I showed him the text. I said, here's the price you texted me. Why are you charging me this? Oh, well, that's how we do business here. And I said, and that's why I won't be doing business here. They didn't start where I was at. Where'd they start? Where they were at. See, when you and I, as Christians, always demand that the world starts with where we're at instead of starting where they're at, maybe this is why the church stays immature in the world. Maybe this is why people don't enjoy the church because we always make everyone else start where we are at compared to the ways of Jesus meeting a woman at the well, starting where she was at, meeting Zacchaeus when he was up in a tree trying to find hope, meeting blind people where they were, meeting Pharisees in the temple. See, Jesus was the master of always caring and starting where one another was at. See, this is the way of maturity. We don't demand that others start where we are. We start where they are. Second thing that we find is this. He talks about how Timothy is consistent. Not only is he caring about one, taking a genuine interest, he is consistent. Did you see the word there? He says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. He's proved himself to become a son in the work of the gospel. You know what it means to be trustworthy? It means that you're worthy of trust. I know, blow your mind right now. We're throwing it down this weekend. Trustworthy means you and I become worthy of trust. You know how you and I become worthy of trust? One of my friends, Chris Mavity, great mentor in my life, said this, and we're gonna put it up on the screen. It's one of the best statements and kind of path of what trust looks like. If you wanna grow in trust is this. He said, trust is a byproduct of confidence. If I don't have confidence in you, I don't trust you. That's what happened at that dealership. I couldn't, I had no confidence in them. I'm not gonna trust them. 
But he said, trust is a byproduct of confidence. Confidence is a byproduct of character and character is a byproduct of consistency. And then he said this, so if you want to gain trust, be more consistent. Some of you parents, you're looking at your kid right now going, listen to that pastor, listen. See, this is what's so funny about us. We think we can earn everybody's trust. You can't earn anybody's trust. Trust is only given. Timothy, it says this, has proved himself in the work of the gospel. And that whole word proved means this. He is just consistent. He's consistent following the Holy Spirit, doing what God has for him to do, stepping into everything, caring, consistent. Third thing is this, third mark of maturity in a Christian is collaboration, that we don't follow Jesus alone. We do this together. Did you see how Paul described Epaphroditus? He said, my fellow brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, He's going, I am in this with my brother Epaphroditus. I'm in it with him. All psychological studies say this. The power of people going to war is this. They form a bond that nothing else can replicate. This is why you see a lot of veterans hanging out together because they share this bond. They know what it's like to put their life on the line and they come back and they have this kind of fraternity for life because there is a bond that comes together. And here's what's happening. Paul is saying this, you are a fellow soldier. And some of us, this is, this is why church gets born. This is why being a Christian is born because you're trying to be a Christian by yourself. And did you know that you are in a war? It's just not a physical war. Paul says this, our war is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the spirit of darkness. You and I are in a war. See, this is why it means we need to be mature Christians for one another. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be talking with one another because you and I are in a war. We are in a different kingdom, a different world, and we are constantly being attacked by Satan. And you know what his biggest assault is that he uses on all of us? Isolation. This is why social distancing right now is hurting so many of us, not just business and not just economic, it is hurting our souls because you and I, God said this in creation when he saw Adam by himself in the garden before sin even entered the world, he said this, it is not good for man to be what? Anybody remember? Alone. You and I are in a war. And the mark of maturity in our faith is this, that you're not fighting this war alone, but you are collaborating. You have fellow brothers and sisters encouraging, walking with you. You are encouraging and walking with them because you and I are in a war. See, this is the bond of the church. Matter of fact, I heard a story one time about a gang leader who became a Christian, got into the church, and after a year left the church, and they went, oh, he's going to go back to his old ways. And they followed up, and they said, where are you? We miss you here. And he said, you know, I love Jesus and stuff, but he said, I felt more family in my gang than I did the church. Part of the reason why we stay stunted in our maturity and we stay immature is because you won't collaborate with anybody. Paul knew, yeah, he's the apostle Paul, he's the leader, and that does not exempt him from having brothers fight with him to follow Jesus. This is the beauty of collaboration. Fourth thing that we find in is this, that you and I, when we grow in our maturity, we need to be considerate. Caring, consistent, collaborative, 
and then consider it. Listen what it describes Epaphroditus. He says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. See, part of the heart of a mature Christian is that we long for other people to know Jesus, to find comfort in Jesus, that we are longing, we are praying. Some of you have been walking through your neighborhood, praying over your neighborhood right now. And let me just empower you. If you are in a neighborhood, God wants you to be a pastor in your neighborhood. He wants you to bring the light into the darkness into your neighborhood. We ought to be praying over our neighbors, praying for our community, praying for our region to become considerate, longing for others. Listen what Jesus says. This is in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Matter of fact, when I was over in Israel and Jerusalem, I saw where he prayed and had this beautiful overview of Jerusalem and especially the temple. And listen what he says when he's praying. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have, here it is, longed to gather your children together. He's not just talking about a church service. He's talking about how he's longing for them to know God and to walk in relationship with her maker. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Do you hear that tension? Jesus continues to be considerate of others even when they're not willing. See, a mark of a mature Christian is you and I are longing for people to know him. Let me just ask you a quick question. Is there anybody in your life that you are longing to know Jesus? I mean, it's like crushing your heart right now because they don't live and know in the grace of Jesus. I got a phone call. I'm trying to set up this week with a buddy because I am longing praying, desperate for him to know and follow Jesus. You longing for anybody? See, this is what maturity is. Maturity is that we become considerate of those around us, that we long for them. But the last thing is this, that you and I would be courageous. Do you hear what it said in verse 27? Indeed, he was ill, Epaphroditus, and almost died. See, when you and I begin to follow Christ and we begin to long the ways of Jesus, it will actually cost us something. And it wasn't just that Epaphroditus was, uh, you know, kind of persecuted because of his faith. What happened was he just got ill doing the work of Christ. That happens. My sister, she's a missionary in Romania. She had an infection in her leg, actually came to the point where they were going to have to amputate her leg not because of the physical activity, just an infection got in her leg. They called over to Hungary. They, they said, hey, listen, we'll probably amputate as well. They had to drive through the night to Austria just to save her leg. Thank God for doctors over there. But I'm telling you, when you and I step out and we are courageous, it will cost us. And we need to pay attention to this because God is saying, I want you to be faithful people, but it's going to demand that you and I are courageous in our faith, that we step out in our faith. And then Paul says, we need to welcome these people with great joy and honor them. So there's the five marks of maturity that you and I would become caring, consistent, collaborative, considerate, and courageous people. But some of you go, Nate, that's great. How do I do that? You know, three quick things that Paul talks about here in this passage. You want to write these down. First one is this, you know how you become mature in Christ? 
you embrace your role in God's family. You have a role in God's family. Did you hear Paul's words to Timothy? Timothy, my son. And did you hear what he called Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus, my brother. See, you and I, when we become followers of Christ, we become sons and daughters of the king. That we leave the darkness and step into the light and we have a new name. We are saved. We are redeemed. We are bought with the price. We are made clean through Christ and what he did. And you and I get to become sons and daughters. But here's the deal. We're not just to be sons and daughters. You know how you grow in your faith? You become great brothers and sisters in the faith. That your faith isn't just about you. It's about those around you. It's about us coming alongside and building one another up. And then you know what we really become? This is the next step of maturity. Not just that we become a brother and sister, but that you and I actually become spiritual mothers and fathers to others. You know, what's been one of the coolest things that we've seen happen in the life of our church recently is this. We have seen more children and students lead their parents to Christ than ever before. And you know what that shows us? They're stepping into maturity. They're stepping into the role. Yes, it is possible for you to become a spiritual mother and father to someone older than you because it's about the faith. Doesn't mean you tell them everything to do, but it does mean that you begin to step in and guide them. Let me ask you real quick. What role in the family of God do you need to begin to embrace? See, if you're not a child of God, if you've not accepted Christ, you just need to become a son or a daughter of him. Repent of the ways, step away from the darkness, step into the light, begin to follow Christ. But if you're there, you need to become brothers and sisters coming alongside people. And as God will grow you in the faith, you will become spiritual mother and father to others. Embrace the role in God's family. This is why Timothy and Epaphroditus are so mature, not because they're so smart, but because they're living out their calling. Second thing is this, not only do we need to embrace our role in God's family, we need to accept the work that Christ has for us. Do you know that Christ has a good work for you and I to do? He has an unbelievable work for you and I to do. And here's the thing, the work he has for me is not the work he has for you. And that is okay. And this is where we get to celebrate God's work. Matter of fact, it's Paul who was planting churches and he was always raising up Timothy. Whenever you look in scripture, and this is in our sermon questions, you'll be able to do a little bit of study on Timothy. Timothy was always like Paul's Robin. Like if he's Batman, there's always Robin. And for some of us, you know, for me, man, I'm just, I'm more of an encourager, a builder up. But if you realize this, Barnabas was the one who brought Paul in to the fold, into the church. And now here's the deal. Paul gets to write all these books of the Bible. Matter of fact, Barnabas reached out to John Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. So he raises up Paul, brings Paul in, raises up John Mark. They get to write, you know, books of the Bible. And you're like, hey, where's Barnabas's book of the Bible? That wasn't the work God had for him to do. You know what the work God had for Barnabas to do? To invite Paul and John Mark in to the kingdom of God. Maturity doesn't need to have their name on everything. Maturity is saying, I am here to simply serve and sacrifice and build up others as much as possible. Accept the work that Christ has for you to do. You know how you do that? Begin just to pray that. 
God, what work would you have me to do? Oh, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Most of the time, you already know. I'm telling you, most of the time, you and I, we already know what Christ wants us to do. We just, we, no, I'll, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. He's already speaking. Begin to accept the work that Christ has. Twice it says this, Timothy was doing the work of the gospel. Epaphroditus was doing the work of Christ. Maturity is always doing the work that God has for us to do. And the last thing that we find in this passage, if we want to begin to experience the maturity, is this. We need to begin to celebrate like crazy the God we see in others. Now, some of you are like, don't you mean the good? I, yes, but no. When I say we need to celebrate like crazy the God we see in others, what we need to begin to do is this. We need to begin to talk about and tell people where we are seeing God at work in their life and to begin to celebrate and lift them up. See, too many times is what happens. We see this and we see God at work in others. We just don't say anything about it. But did you see how this passage ended? Welcome Epaphroditus and the Lord with great joy. This is why we love gathering together. It's with great joy that we gather. Honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Man, we, you and I, we need to celebrate like crazy the God that we see in one another. Man, look at God do work in you. One of my favorite pastors, Andy Stanley, he has this great phrase about gratitude and calling this out. He says this, he says, unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude, it feels like ingratitude. Doesn't mean you're not thankful. It just means that you and I haven't expressed what we're thankful for. Four, Paul in his mark of maturity is like, I, I'm gonna spend 11 verses right here in the middle of Philippians just celebrating like crazy these two dudes, talking about what I see in them. See, mature people can talk about other people a lot. Mature people can go, oh, no, 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 you are incredible. Oh, wow, look at God in you. Matter of fact, David Novak, the former CEO at Yum Brands, uh, recognized that he has a whole thing called the power of recognition. There's a whole leadership course you can go through that he's created because what he realized was this, recognition changes people. Matter of fact, he did a bunch of studies. Here's what his survey found is this, that 82% of people feel unrecognized by their supervisor. Some of you are like, yeah, that's right. That's right, I agree with that. It said he found this out as well. 60% are more motivated by recognition than money. Think about that for a second. There are power. There's power in your words because it's maturity. It grows people and it grows you. 56% of people, it said they wanted more recognition from their supervisor. And then he found this out. 43% want more recognition, you ready? From colleagues. Not just their boss, but those around them. To celebrate them to walk beside them. This week I did a funeral and because uh, of the whole COVID-19, the person didn't pass away because of COVID-19, but there could only be 25 people in the funeral home. And what happened was this, I had to do Facebook Live and welcome them in. Kind of a little bit of an eerie moment, not to be able to be together. 
but we celebrated this gentleman. And then we began to drive the funeral procession, drove and the funeral graveside was up in starlight. And here's, what's, here's what happened. As we were driving, because of starlight and the close community up there, we started driving through the roads up there and everybody knew when we were gonna be coming through. I didn't know it. And I felt like I was in a movie scene and lined up all along every driveway was all of the neighbors of this gentleman because his house was right up there. And every house we drove by, everybody had signs. We love you, we're so thankful for you. And every sign was something personal. And we drove and I, just, I started getting teary-eyed, man. I had to, had to act like it was allergies, but I'm driving. I'm one of the lead guys right behind the funeral uh, director. And I'm watching this community celebrate like crazy, this gentleman. And it hit me. Why do we wait so long to celebrate people? Why do we have to wait till people die to celebrate. Paul's saying mature Christians don't wait. Mature Christians begin to speak into the lives of one another. Here's the God I see in you. Here's the God I see in you. And can I just celebrate some of our church family right now? Here's what I love. These people I'm about ready to celebrate, they didn't even know I'm gonna do this. So if they're watching online, they're like, uh-oh. Yeah, that's right. You know, the first couple I wanna celebrate right now is Dale and Kim Molenhaus. Dale and Kim, you might not know this about them, but they have been leading our divorce care ministry for the last 10 years. They're not on staff, they're just part of the church family here. For the last 10 years, they have been pouring out their hearts and their lives when a spouse has walked out and they come in here brokenhearted. Dale and Kim walk into their lives. And Dale and Kim, I cannot thank you enough for pouring yourself out, for meeting people right where they are with broken hearts, shattered marriage, shattered household, finances, who knows what's going on. And there you are, the church meeting them. Well done, fellow soldiers of Jesus, Kim and Dale. We are the church. We are Northside because of you. Because of you. People have found Christ through discover this whole deal of divorce care. And Kim and Dale, if you weren't there, week in and week out, pouring your lives out, who knows where so many lives and marriages would be right now. To the Vanderhoof family, Eric and Christy, Zoe and Max, some of you may not know them, but Eric and Christy have been serving in our kids' side ministry for over 15 years. Walking with our families, investing in our families. Even when they didn't have their own kids, they were investing in this. And Eric and Christy, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being spiritual mothers and fathers to so many, to pouring your life out and now pouring your family into others. Max and Zoe, you guys serve as well. Thank you for being great brothers and sisters to one another in this church family. Not just sons and daughters, 
but loving others. To Judy Falkenberg, you have served in the food pantry for the last 15 years and you've served in kids side for the last five years. And can I just say you, thank you for your compassion and heart of justice to make room for the marginalized, for those who go without. And every week you keep going down there to our Midtown campus and you pour your heart out and you pour your love out and you don't just give away food, you give away your heart because you're a mature believer because you know maturity is not about just you. Maturity is mutual. Thank you, Judy, for your tireless effort and the work of the gospel in you. So grateful for you. You welcome my family in Discover Town every week. Thank you for starting where other people are at. To Ann Colwicky, the whole Colwicky family. I know Jill's husband, Tim, can't be in there, but I appreciate so much the Colwicky family. Anne has served in our kids' side ministry for 30 years. 30, you talk about being a soldier. You're putting all of us to shame right now, Anne. That's being a soldier of the work of the gospel. And not only to you, but now your daughter has served 15 years and now Isaac and Lily, your grandchildren are serving with you. Matter of fact, you guys are on our North Side video for our kids' side ministry right now. And Northside family, you need to know this. Anne and her late husband, Chris, who was an elder here, were the ones who came out and interviewed my dad, my family out in Las Vegas back in 1993 or 1999. And Anne, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being a spiritual mother to me. Thank Here's my challenge for us, Northside. Maturity comes when you and I live in a mutual relationship as the church. And here's my challenge. I wanna challenge all of us to spend time celebrating like crazy the God that we see in one another. God at work. Don't send a text, you're awesome. No, we don't need that. You know what we need? And I know we can't always be face-to-face. Here's what we need. And this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want you to send at least a minute long video if you can't see somebody face-to-face and just express your gratitude and the God that you see in them. Matter of fact, use one of the five marks of maturity and say, this is what we learned about. This is what I see in you. Thank you for being a good fellow soldier of Christ. Maybe you're not so good with words and you need to write a letter. Write a letter. Write a letter. But here's the deal, the light wants to grow us in our darkness and he wants to make us mature. That's my hope and my prayer is that we would allow Christ to grow us in his maturity. I'm gonna pray for us in a second. I'm gonna ask you to step into that challenge this week. Either send a video, write a letter to celebrate others like crazy and to grow in maturity. 
We're gonna put some questions up on the screen. I wanna invite you to process those with your family and your small group this week. Let me pray for us and then let's grow in maturity together. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for these fellow soldiers that we just talked about. Colwicky family, Vanderhoofs, God, Judy, Kim and Dale, and Father, the list goes on and on of people who've just laid it on the line, not just for Northside, but for the work of the gospel, for the good of Jesus. Father, thank you that we get to be a part of your church, not just Northside. This is your church. This is your work, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would help us to wrestle. God, you, by the power of your spirit, would grow us more into your likeness and your image. Father, let us not be complacent. But, Father, may you get glory in your church and in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, we open our lives to you. Would you help us to be obedient to you this week? Would you help us to look more like Jesus this week? Because it is about your name and your glory that our lives are about Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's grow maturity together. God bless you guys.